Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. Somebody shout the substitute. Ain't you glad for the substitute? Because you were supposed to have been hanging on that cross. You was the one condemned to die. But Jesus become our substitute, which means to put in the place of another or to take the place of another. I'm afraid that sometimes, uh, uh, Josh, run up here right quick. I'm afraid sometimes we miss the simplicity of this sermon with words like redemption and atonement and uh, 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 expiation of sins. And all of them are so fitting, but I mean, really, <laughs> how many of us know what those words mean? And so my goal today is to simplify the gospel of Jesus Christ in terms that we can understand. And I just want to do an illustrated message. Nathan, can you come help me? <laughs> now, you're the devil. <laughs> come up here, Nathan. <laughs> you, you just the bad guy. You hear me? And uh, I really would pick somebody I don't know, but I don't know if you'll come up here. Uh, let me see. Johnny, come up here. <laughs> uh, this guy's the, the, the bad guy. <laughs> I like to hold your hand there. Is that awkward? <laughs> and and <laughs> he's blushing. This is the whole message of a substitute. Johnny, he's he's just a good guy. And he 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 was just born holy, created holy by his God. But there was an evil influence that started pulling Johnny. I'm, I'm God. You're the devil. I'm God. <laughs> uh, and so he was created and he was in God's image and in God's likeness. And this is the way God created to be for me and Johnny just to be in communion with one another and fellowship with one another. And, uh, but there was that evil influence they started pulling Johnny away from me. Tell him, come on. <laughs> and they started pulling, and I, and I tried to hold Johnny, but I couldn't. So that evil influence pulled him over there, and then he was, and then just, just, just grab him and wrap him up. Not, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what it looked. He was the sinner that just got pulled into sin. But you see, I, as God said, the wages of sin is death. And when the king speaks, his word can't be amended. It can't be changed by some group of legislators or anything else. When he speaks, he can't change it because he's the superior. And I said, or God said, I can't do that. I can't <laughs> I feel sacrilegious saying I'm God. So God said, the wages of sin is death. You done it, Johnny. You didn't have to go over there. But you did. So now... I'm in a pickle because I love Johnny. But I done said the wages of sin is you got to die, man. So the dilemma was the thing God hates was pinned on what he loved. But he had to keep his word. But the genius of God says, you know what? I said the wages of sin is death. Somebody's got to die. 
but I love you so much. This is my son. Y'all, this is my real son. I mean, I created this dude with a little help. but <laughs> He's got my DNA in him. I got, ba- I got, we're together from birth. Are y'all listening to me? From his birth. This is my son. This is my heart. But you know what? Because I love you so much, I'm going to take this perfect sacrifice, this, this, this uh, creation of mine, of who I am, and I'm going to bring him over here, and I'm going to take you out, and I'm going to put him in your place. Oh. <laughs> now, you can kill him because I love him. Are y'all listening to me? That's the whole message I'm about to preach. Either one of these, this is you. Are you following me? But God loved you so much, he put a substitute so he can maintain his integrity and his honor. Somebody give a Lord a hand praise for these guys. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Now let's read that in scripture and I'll try to sum it up in less than... (laughs) Isaiah chapter number 53 verse number 1 it says who has believed our report Isaiah is not a minor prophet he's a major prophet he was one of the leading men of God of, of the entire Old Testament Amen, that God allowed to foresee the future in realms that was beyond any other living prophet uh, then or since now. And this is the prophecy of Isaiah. 53 and 1 says, Who has believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him. He's now beginning to prophesy about the Christ. He shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness, meaning there was no natural beauty about Jesus Christ, that when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He was nothing extraordinary as far as a human man was concerned. He said he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid as if it were our faces from him. And we despised and we esteemed him not. Surely, talking about our Jesus, he has borne all of our griefs. He has carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. In other words, we were saying he's getting what he deserves because he's a sinner. But five says, but no, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. All of us, like sheep, we went astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. 
He was taken from prison and from judgment. This hard translation actually means he was taken by oppression and judgment of the supposedly righteous. So he was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence. Neither was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. And when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and he shall be satisfied. In other words, Jesus is going to get to see the fruit of his labor. By his knowledge shall all my righteous service justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with strong because he has poured out his soul unto death. He was considered one of the transgressors and he bare the sin of many and he made intercession for the transgressors. Got two more scriptures I need to throw in here verifying our substitute. One is in 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 21. For God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Said he made the man who knew no sin to be sin for us. Why? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. For uh, 1 Peter 3.18, you don't have to turn there. He'll put it on the screen for you. For Christ has also once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. What you just seen me do on this platform. That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Now you and I are well aware of the focus of this Easter Sunday this morning. We know, everybody in this building knows that Jesus was crucified on Friday, laid in a borrowed tomb, and raised from the dead on this great resurrection Sunday morning. But what I'm not totally convinced of is if we know why. Are you with me this morning? And the reason I think it's so important that we fully understand the why is because all that Christianity entails is wrapped up on this celebration we call Easter. Our deliverance, our freedom from sin, our salvation, our healing, body, soul, and spirit, uh, our eternal life, uh, our escape from eternal damnation in a devil's hell. It's all secured in our understanding and believing in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, the, the, the resurrection itself is the proof that our religion is the only religion with any eternal merit whatsoever. I don't know, uh, I, I googled it and found out there's over 4,000 religions in the world. 
4,000 main lines, and then hundreds of thousands of belief systems within those belief systems. So there's over 4,000 religions in the world. But Christianity is the only religion that is historically verified and validified by the resurrection of the Christ of our religion. Somebody ought to give it up for Jesus right there. That would be a good place for you to. Amen. Not... Not just for Christians, not just in your Bible. It is historically verified that our Christ is the only God who died a, a, a criminal's death, buried three days, and was resurrected on the third day. As a matter of fact, the book of Romans says that Jesus is declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. It's the proof he is God and there is none other. Can somebody shout amen? Everything Jesus taught, everything he said, everything he was, it hinged upon Jesus getting up out of that grave on the third day. It's the foundational proof upon which Christianity stands. So I just want to encourage somebody right now in passing. Anytime the devil wants to tell you that our God is not real, Amen. We are the only religion with historical proof that we got a God that is alive today. Can somebody shout amen? No other religion, amen, can boast on this fact. Amen. Which still begs the question, why was it all necessary? Why did he have to die? Why did he have to be buried three days? Why did he have to be resurrected? Oh, I know it, Pastor, and, and I believe it. I just really couldn't tell you why. Go with me this morning. Amen. I'm going to try to answer that question for you. It's because our God, the creator of all creation, is holy and he's righteous. He is the personification of perfection. Are you listening to me? Amen. He don't just do holy things and create holy acts. He is holy. Amen. He, you and I love. God don't just love. Your Bible says he, he is love. In other words, everything he does is done from a source of, of uh, divine perfection. That he don't have a flaw in him, our God. Amen. There's no flaw. Matter of fact, he's so perfect and he's so holy that he cannot even be tempted with sin, much less bow to it. Tell your neighbor, he's talking about your God. Huh? Shake them real good. Make sure they're awake and tell them he's talking about your God. Amen. For the Bible says God cannot be tempted with evil, so he does not tempt anybody with evil. This is our God. This is the holy God. He is in such a state of moral perfection and holiness that everything he created and spoke into existence was just as perfect and just as holy. Everything that come out of him it come out of his nature. He created man out of the dust of the earth. Amen. And he blew the breath of life in him. And man became a living soul. And he was as holy and as morally pure as the God that created him. Sinless perfection. Amen. Was that man. So pure. So pure minded that there was no inclination of evil in his mind, that him and Eve were created naked and it never even registered. Are y'all following me? 
Never. They were so pure as a baby that'll run around with his diaper off. Amen. Right through this church. Wouldn't bother him one bit. Amen. Because he has no impure thoughts. Are y'all listening to me? He has no impure inclinations. Amen. He's not provocative in any way. This was God. And when he created you and I, when he created man, he created him in his image and in his likeness. And there he was, the personification of a holy God. Perfect. Perfect peace. Perfect joy. Perfect in his mind. Perfect in his body. Perfect in his spirit. Amen. Uh, and, and he was so more, he was as morally pure as his creator. And God knew. Hear me now. We're going to answer some questions today. And God knew the only way to maintain the connection between such a holy God and his holy creation was to prohibit anything contrary to his holy estate. So he established a law that prohibited and penalized sin. Romans chapter number 6, scriptures you know very well says, the wages of sin is death. Amen. Because when God speaks, as we illustrated, His word is forever established and it cannot be altered. Amen. He said that the penalty for sin is death and that can never change. Or Because if He changed His mind on that, you couldn't trust him not to change his mind on anything else. Ain't you glad God's a just God? Oh, I wish I could get a little bit of help in here. I said, ain't you glad he's a just God? We don't mind saying that until we fall off the wagon. Amen. Somebody say, be nice, pastor. We got visitors. He's just, and I'm glad he's just. Amen? Because if he was unjust in this decision, then I wouldn't know if he was going to be just in another decision. Amen? He's a God that cannot and will not change his word. Amen? So he said that the penalty of sin is death. Now it needs to be noted this morning that death does not mean here. It doesn't mean I quit breathing. Death doesn't mean a cessation of life. Amen. For as bad as death is, amen, as it relates to the cessation of life, if you will, amen, it's not near as bad as the death of Romans 6.23. Amen. Because the death of Romans uh, 6.23, it's referring to a separation from God. Amen. It's, it's referring to uh, uh, its access to life has been denied. As soon as Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, amen, they were denied access to the tree of life. Amen. There ain't but one thing worse uh, than death as it relates to cessation of life. And that's a death that says I'm separated from God. I no longer have access to the tree of life. I no longer have access to die, life, so I am a dead man walking. This is what he meant when he said, amen, that the wages of sin is death. God said, this is the wages of sin. And Adam did just that. Fluky, he did just that. He allowed sin to enter in to God's holy estate. He allowed sin to mar, 
Amen. This perfect world that God created. Can I help somebody here this morning that may be struggling with, I don't know why God allows this and, and I don't know why God is allowing that. Can I help you right now? Your Bible teaches by one man's disobedience, death, sin, sickness, and depravity entered into this world. It never was God's plan. It never was God's will. Everything was supposed to be perfect. Every family was supposed to be perfect. But one man kicked the door open and allowed hell to invade God's holy estate. Oh my God, amen. He said the wages of sin. Matter of fact, the scripture says, whereas by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all men. Why? Because Adam is the father of us all. We're just a product of a fallen man. By one man, death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Romans says, by the offense of one man, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Amen. Our biological father, if you will, pulled us into a state of condemnation and sin. It says, for by one man's disobedience, everybody was made sinners. The devil deceived Adam into pulling the entire human race out of the state of moral perfection into a state of sin, which separated the whole human race from our God. Romans chapter number 3, 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So you and I were born into sin. Therefore, we were born condemned, judged by the law with a death sentence on our head. We were born destined for hell. We had no way of saving ourselves from hell. We had no way of satisfying the justice of God. We were condemned to die. We needed somebody who could pay our debt. We needed somebody who could incur our penalty because the, the, the holy law of God had to be satisfied. Somebody had to die. Somebody had to satisfy the demands of the law that was established. We needed somebody to die in our place. We needed a substitute. We needed a Savior. But the problem is no one was qualified because everybody were sinners. No one was qualified. We all deserve, deserve judgment. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But that same major prophet who prophesied about the coming Messiah, he also prophesied, amen, the very words of Jesus before Jesus ever entered this planet. And the Bible says, he said, I looked down and there was no man. I looked down for a righteous individual and I couldn't find one. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, he's talking about you. Uh, as holy as you think you are. Amen. He said, I looked down to try to find somebody who had not broke my will, who had not broke the law, but it was in your DNA. You were born a sinner. Huh? Ain't it amazing? You ain't got to teach little Johnny how to steal. He'll steal a cookie. And you ain't got to teach him to lie about it. 
He'll stand right there with crumbs all over his face. Hmm? I didn't do it. Huh? It's in them. Are y'all with me? It's in us. It was, we, 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 we were trapped by it and condemned by it. And Jesus, the Bible says, this is a conversation that must have went on in heaven before Jesus come. He said, I looked down and I couldn't find nobody. I couldn't find, the Bible says he wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation. His righteousness, it sustained him. Get a glimpse of our Jesus. He put on righteousness as a breastplate, a helmet of salvation upon his head. Amen. He put on the garment of vengeance for clothes and he clad himself with a zeal as a cloak and reported to the Father and said, I'll go. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try to behave today, but I'm telling you, uh, I get excited when I talk about, amen, a God in heaven that'll say, you know what? I'll lay down deity, take on humanity, and I'll stand in their place. Oh, I wish somebody still had the joy of their salvation. Amen. And you may have saw him come as a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, but let me tell you what the devil saw. He saw a warrior with a cloak and double. You hear me? He come and said, I'm bringing you out, Fluky Braddock. You sorry, no good for nothing. Uh, I'm bringing you out, Johnny. You, you, you. <laughs> Uh, oh my God, is anybody in this place? I'm bringing you out, Steve Barnett. Hey man, you got trapped, but it was against your will. You didn't intend to be a sinner. You were born into sin. God Almighty, it's hard to behave on Easter. Y'all ain't seen it. Y'all ain't seen it. Y'all saw him, amen, holding babies and petting lambs, uh, amen, with a halo around his neck. But he's standing beside the father, suited up in full gear, saying, I'll go get him. I'll go get him. I'll bring him out of that place. You can't, he said, let me at him. Let me at him. The devil's down here gloating because he's got me and you and every generation known to mankind. Everything else is scared of him. And Jesus said, just let me go. Just let me go, Father. I'll get him. Ain't you glad? Ain't you glad? It makes me want to swag a little bit. Uh, Kenny, do you know how to swag? Come swag for me, brother. I ain't got enough... <laughs> Uh, it ought to just make you want to swag. Amen. Somebody ought to tell the neighbor, he loved me enough to come get me. He loved double side. He loved me enough to come get me. He didn't even stand up there and say, get to me if you can. He loved me enough. Can I just tell somebody? Uh, them places you won't go to, he will. Uh, where'd he find you at? I don't know who you are, dude, but you're just looking at me like you got it all together. But I just want to know, where'd he find you at? Don't answer. Don't answer. Where'd he find you, huh, ma'am? Where'd he find you at, huh? Where'd he, oh, God almighty. This is what it's all. Where'd he find you at? Well, I'll tell y'all where he found me at. He found me in a bar room and sat on the stool right beside me. I'm just going cool. I don't know if that's dancing or clogging. <laughs> oh, but it just makes me, when I think about his goodness and what he done for me, I can dance. Hey, 
way. The Christians were judging me, but God came in and sat down beside me. Everybody else partying and laughing. I'm sitting over there convicted. Can I get a witness from anybody? Uh, give me another beer. Uh, but you know what? It didn't work because Jesus was said, I come to get you and I ain't leaving here without you. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm bringing you out. Oh God, that's my testimony, but I got to preach. Jesus said, I'll go. So God said, I'm going to send my son to be your substitute to incur the debt you owe to justice, to incur the penalty required by the law that you and I deserved. And just as by, I didn't have time to do all the scriptures today, but this is scriptural. Just as by one man we were all condemned, your Bible says by one man we were all justified. <laughs> I can't get over myself this morning. Are, are, are y'all listening to me? Are y'all saved? One man, one man, Jimbo Emmons, you and your evil self. Jimbo was a mean one. <laughs> Still a little mean. Anyway, <laughs> by one man. Can y'all wrap your mind around that? Not, not Caldwell Parish, not just Louisiana, not just the United States. Amen. But the entire, how many, how many is on the planet? A billion or eight billion? I don't know. It's a bunch of us. Huh? One man took on as sinful as you are. That would be a lot for a man to carry. Are you following me? But one man had the power and the love. It'd take a lot of love. I got enough love to cover his sin. I do. He's my son. Maybe you. She's daughter-in-law. I got enough love to cover that. Are you following me? I'll cover that. He's okay. Y'all leave him alone. It's funny to me. The lady told me, I need you to go visit my baby in prison. <laughs> he, he's, he's, he's innocent. He didn't do it. He didn't mean to do it. He really would have done it if it hadn't been for them. And I thought, that's what love does. Love helps me overlook your stupidity, right? So I may have a love, enough love for my family, amen. But it take a lot of love, y'all, to cover the sins of the entire planet. One man had enough love to take the sins of every man, and because he was willing to take them and crawl up on the cross. And, ex and be executed to satisfy the justice of God. Amen. That means he took me with him. He took you with him. Somebody shout one man. Y'all don't seem to be as amazed over that as I am, but I can't get over it. For God so loved the world that he, he said, for he made him to be sin who didn't even know no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God. <laughs> he had so much love that those who hung him there and those that were spitting on him and, and blaspheming 
and taking that reed and beating that crown of thorns in their head, those, in the back of his mind, Jesus was saying, I'm doing it for you. Come on, come on, man. You don't understand that kind of love. We, we can't wrap our minds around that kind of love. The whole time he wouldn't revile against them because he said, I'm doing it for you. My God, our sins had to be punished by death because the law had been established. But to give you what you deserved, he would have to kill you. To give you what you deserved, he would have to kill you. He would have to cast all of humanity in a burning hell. So God said, I got to have a substitute. I got to have somebody to take your place so I can save your life. So he took all of our sins. He laid them upon Jesus. He took all the sins of the unjust and he laid them upon the just. And he who had never known sin became sin for us. He never said a cross word. He never thought an evil thought. He never engaged in evil activity. He never hated anyone. He never lashed out against anyone. He never lusted for the forbidden. He never gave in to the temptation to step out of the will of the Father for one second. He was just. He was righteous. He was sinless. And he spent 30 years in obscurity preparing the perfect sinless substitute. Catch this right here. Jesus spent the first 30 years of his life living a perfect, sinless, holy life as a man, as a man, so he could be the sinless substitute for man. The only record we have of Jesus before 30 years is the birth of Jesus. Amen. And then we catch one glimpse of him when he's 12 years old. But for the first 30 years, Jesus, the first 30 years of Jesus' life was just as important as the last three and a half because it's the life he lived that qualified him to be the substitute. Oh, you got to catch this right here. It was important. It was important. If you really understood this, you would understand that the life that Jesus lived in obscurity was just as important as the death he died to save our lives. Why? Because a, dinner, a sinner couldn't die for you. Amen. Someone, uh, 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 a sinner couldn't die for someone else's sins because they were guilty too. He was just an unjust lawbreaker too. Are you following me? He was on death row too. Every man was on death row. It would take a spotless lamb. It would take a morally perfect man. It couldn't be one of God's mighty angels. It had to be a man. It had to be a man that had the same propensities and inclinations to sin, but who didn't. Are you following me? It had to be a human 
It had to be someone who would be put to the test just like you are and we fail miserably. But it had to be a man who, who felt the feelings of sin, who felt the, uh, uh, the temptations, amen, but one that would stand strong and would not give in. 30 years he was being qualified to be your substitute. Wow. It would take a just man to be a substitute for unjust humanity. And 1 Peter tells us very plainly that he was guilty of no sin. Not only was he not guilty of sin, there wasn't even deceit found in his mouth. Amen. He wouldn't even speak out of the way. He wouldn't even talk out of the way. Amen. And everybody says that while he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Can I tell you, every day he walked, we were on his mind. Every day temptation would come in to get him to go left when God was so going right. Amen. He took a right because of you. He was preserving a sinless sacrifice to be a substitute for you and I. Wow. Amen. Peter said, when he was reviled and insulted, he would not revile back or return insult for insult. What a God. He made no threats, but he trusted in the God that he committed his spirit into. Amen. First John says, and, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him was no sin. It qualified him to condemn sin in the flesh. Thank God he never gave in to temptation. Oh, somebody ought to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank God he never gave in to temptation. Thank God when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights and, he, and uh, the devil came to him in person and tried to get him to take the easy way out. Thank God that he stood strong because he was thinking about us. Thank God in the garden. Amen. Do you know how close we came? Do you know how close it could have been for you and I to be left in the pit of hell in that garden? Amen. He wrestled for three hours. The Bible says he wrestled with God's will until his sweat become his great drops of blood. But thank God he surrendered his will for the will is anybody in this sanctuary this morning? Amen. He was real. He was human. He had feelings and emotions, but he stood strong against temptation. That ought to be an incentive for you. Me and Jimbo was fishing one day, and uh, he had a certain addictive substance in his hand. I don't want to name it. It may be your sin. Hey Amen. And he, and he threw it in the lake. He said, you know what? The suffering I go through for giving up that cannot compare to the suffering Jesus. I've never forgot it. I've never forgot it. Amen. So the next time you start to give in to temptation, you ought to see him hanging on an old rugged cross. You ought to see him sweating blood, wrestling in a garden for you. Amen. It'll give you the strength to say, you know what? This temptation cannot. I ain't suffered nothing compared to what he's going through. Amen. Thank God he didn't give up. He was the perfect, spotless, substitutional lamb 
And on him, God laid all your perversion, all your evil tendencies, all your selfish actions, all of our rebellion and all of our disobedience. On him, God laid all our dysfunctions, all our faults, all our failures. He who never failed now became my failure. Can you all wrap your minds around this message? He who had never slipped, never failed in one jot or tittle. Now all my failure has been draped over his shoulders and he's climbing up on the cross with it. (laughs) He never committed one sin. He who never committed one sin now became sin. Not a sinner, but he become sin. It wasn't in him, it was on him. He carried it because it was too much for me to carry. It was too much for you to carry. He became my substitute, the righteous for the unrighteous. Isaiah said, it pleased God. I used to have such a problem with this because God's not a child abuser. (laughs) Amen. He loved his son. He loves his children. And I couldn't understand the King James Version. It said, uh, uh, God was pleased to bruise him. It pleased God to put him in grief. He was stricken and smitten of God. Amen. Let me tell you, God's justice was satisfied when he saw the anguish of the soul of his son. Amen. And finally, the Holy Spirit began to teach me. It did not satisfy, please or satisfy the father to see his son in such grief. It satisfied God to see the righteous requirement of his holy law being met. Because he's so just. It pleased God to punish the sin because God hated sin. (laughs) He hated sin because it was the sin that destroyed the ones he loved. It was the sin. He hated sin because it bound all humanity in chains of bondage. The problem was that the sins he hated were now placed on the one He loved. Oh my God. What a God. This is the greatest. Hear me if you don't hear nothing else. This is the greatest demonstration. Because you see, to destroy the sin he hates, he had to kill the one he loves. I'm going to say that again about your God. In order to kill the sin he hated, he was going to have to kill the son he loved. This is the greatest demonstration of love ever known to mankind. Of Jesus hanging on that cross. On the cross, God created... Listen to me. On the cross, God treated Jesus as if he lived your life so he could treat you as if you lived his life. (laughs) Can somebody just give God some... Oh my God, the Easter message! Romans said it. God demonstrated His love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that gave His Son to be our substitute. 
And on that dreadful day, he hung there in our place for six hours. Six hours. Jesus hung there in torture in pain. My son preached it that the Bible says that there never was a man before or after as marred as bad as the body of Jesus. No one could recognize him. He hung there for six hours, hours, the just for the unjust, the righteous for the unrighteous, the holy for the unholy as our substitute. Yes, he died as my substitute. He paid the ransom for my soul, Brother Scott, with his life. Amen. But the question remains, amen. He shed his blood that you can live. But the question is, was the blood good enough? Was the blood holy enough to satisfy the holiness of God? Was Jesus enough to meet the holy demands of such a holy God and a, and, and a, and a holy law? Amen. Was he enough? Well, let me tell you what. We got proof that he's enough. For when Jesus said, it is finished, the ground shook. And something supernatural happened. The Bible says that the veil in the temple was rent from the top to the bottom. Now remember I told you, amen, death meant separation from God. Amen. And so in the temple they had a veil that separated the holiness of God from the common people. Why? Because we were sinners and God cannot dwell in an unclean temple. Amen. But we got proof that Jesus' blood was holy enough because when he died, everything began to shake and, and God reached down and ripped the curtain of separation. Is anybody in this place? And said, now, amen, you that were outsiders and condemned to death because of that sacrifice. Because of that blood, I'm removing the separation and we can come together again. Oh, is anybody listening to me? This is why, this is why something, not, not only that, we got proof it was good enough. We got proof that it worked. We got proof that the blood, the, the blood was holy. We got proof because when Jesus was dying, rocks were written. The Bible says graves burst open and dead people got up and come to town. Huh? You hear me? Ain't May May and Uncle Sam come walking into the city and somebody said the resurrection of Jesus was good enough to resurrect the dead. Oh, somebody high five your neighbor and tell him it was good enough. He made it. He made it. Because see, we don't know what was going on. But according to Hebrews chapter number nine, Literally, see, see, this is stuff we don't do Bible studies on, but Hebrews 9 says that Jesus took his blood and went into heaven and offered it on the mercy seat. You see, they'd been doing this for thousands of years with the blood of bulls and goats. But the, bulls, blah, the, blah, blah. the blood of bulls and goats wasn't pure enough to deliver me of my sin. It was... Let me get over here and help somebody that's getting this. Amen. It wasn't holy enough to make me holy. So it was a, just an Old Testament substitute until the real deal got here. Somebody shout, Jesus is the real deal. Amen. Are you listening to me? Amen. He said literally in Hebrews, he went into heaven 
It says in 9 and 12, neither by the blood of bulls and goats, but by his own blood, he entered in once and all in the holy place, having obtained redemption for us. Eternal redemption for us. All that time you thought he was caged up in a tomb? Mm-mm. He was kicking the devil in the teeth for three days. He done ascended, descended. Can y'all picture all this? Disciples are confused. Peter's sucking his thumb. They all messed up. Jesus is girded with the full armor. He entered in before God and said, here it is. I've done it. <laughs> here it is. The most precious substance known to man. It's more precious than silver and gold and all the kingdoms of this world. He come in with some kind of vial. I don't know how he done it. All I know is my Bible says he come in with blood. And when God saw it, he began to rejoice because the substitute just reunited humanity with a holy God. Is there any Christians in this place? Oh, and that, 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 ain't, that, ain't, that, ain't, that ain't half how good he is. Amen. He did it while they was cursing him. He did it while you was a prostitute. He did it while you was a drug addict. He did it when you were unholy. He did it. He did it when you was a drunk. He didn't wait for you to get good because you couldn't get good because you were got by bad. Oh, somebody ought to tweet that. You couldn't get out. You couldn't get out. You know what? It's a poor excuse to ask your buddy who's in the same pit you're in to get you out. Really? Are y'all listening to me? We had to have somebody who didn't fall in the pit. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. We had somebody still up here saying, I made it for you. I didn't sin for you. This must be, I got to quit. I'll quit as soon as I get through, I promise you. Amen. It must be the picture that John saw. John the Revelator. Amen. He got to be taken into heaven. Amen. And, and there was a book in the lap of God. And that book contained the names of those who have eternal life. And John got to looking and said, and the Bible says he began to weep. said, oh my God, nobody is worthy to open the book. Nobody is worthy to break the seals on the salvation of man. And while he was weeping, one of the angel said, stop weeping, look. Behold the Lamb of God. Oh my God. Behold the Lamb of God. And the Bible says, there stood somebody as a lamb that was slain. You know what that means? He still got the marks. He still got the scars. He still got the nail hole in his head. And John said, that's him. He said he stood there with seven horns and seven eyes. I know that's weird, but that's revelations for you. Amen. Seven means complete and total. Horns means power. Amen. He's not a suffering lamb anymore. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Shaka. I said he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's standing in victory. I need y'all to help me preach. Tell your neighbor, he got up so you could. <laughs> He got up so you good if you so desire to. And even if you don't desire to, he got up anyway. Just in case you change your mind. 
just in case you change your mind. He paid the penalty. He destroyed the power of sin. He became the ransom price. And my Bible says he delivered us of our offenses. And he was delivered for our offenses. But he was raised again for our justification. We can't leave him in the tomb, y'all. Because that wasn't enough. He had to get up. He had to get up so you could get up, Steve. Steve, you're about the closest thing to an angel that I know. I mean, you, don't, you ain't much to look at, but... <laughs> but you ain't always been holy. We were down and out. Are you listening to me? And we couldn't get up if he didn't get up. So all of our souls were hanging in the balance for three days. Hell thought they won. We finally got to God. But he didn't know that God, he thought God buried Jesus. But God's a farmer. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, I've been talking to farmers lately. I ain't heard of one of them say, well, it's about burial time. Huh? We got to go bury some seeds. No, I've been talking to them and they said it's time to plant because plant has a totally different connotation than bury. Bury means it's dead. Plant means I'm expecting this thing. Oh, I'm finna, I'm finna shout in this place, amen. The devil thought he buried God, amen. God buried Jesus, but he planted him. And guess what? Because he planted, when he come up, he didn't come up by, I come up with him. Where's, where's Stephen? Somebody ought to get up and do the floss with me right now. You hear me? Amen. Except the grain of wheat fall to the ground and die, it buys all. It buys alone. But if it's planted, when it comes up, look, just look, it just bears much fruit. Oh, somebody shout, I come up with him. Come up with him, y'all. Ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. We're gonna cut that off right there. That's all you get. I'm used to being paid for that. <laughs> so can I help you enclose it in your self-righteous self? You ain't all that. You ain't all that. You only that because he was what he was. And you only got up, Branson, because he got up. And if I don't stay connected to him, I'll fall back to the ground. Ain't he awesome? And now, just like death has no more dominion, Here's the last bit of great news. Just like death has no more dominion over Jesus, now sin no longer has dominion over me. Oh, I know some of y'all believe a different doctrine. Y'all go head on. Y'all go head on. 
Yeah, now, y'all go ahead on. Y'all just believe that you're just a sinner. But that blood was so holy, you dub- <laughs> that when it run through my veins, I traded my DNA for his DNA. And now I'm more proposed. Proposed, come on. It's not the right word. Now I have a greater propensity to do the right thing than I do to do the wrong thing. Somebody ought to shout in this place. So maybe, maybe if you have a stronger propensity to do the wrong thing. (laughs) Leave me alone. Except we're saying, say it. Maybe you got baptized into religion instead of Christ. Oh, you don't tell me you don't never have a temptation to sin? Absolutely I do. But now there's another DNA in me. There's a God living in me and he can't be tempted. What? Oh, my flesh can be tempted, but not the God living in me. And sometimes I have to wrestle with my will. Now I feel like I preached it last Sunday. The greatest thing about me now is God gave my wheel back because I was a drunk losing my family. She was packing her bags and leaving and I wanted her to stay so bad but I was lacking one thing, the wheel to quit. Until he came in and then when the, the booze was brought back around, the temptation come but I found a new law in my members. <laughs> Oh, that's you got to know some Bible to get that one. And it was giving me the strength to be able to stand. Now, I'm done. When someone asks you, yeah, it's Easter, but what does it mean? You can tell them. I know exactly why he died. Not only that, I know exactly why he had to live so holy. Come help me, Scott, for three, 30 years. Because he couldn't be the perfect substitute for me if he wasn't tempted with what I was tempted by. Are you listening to me? That's what the death, the burial, and the resurrection is all about before 1225 on a Sunday morning. He is alive. He is alive. I want somebody to, nobody moving. I want somebody to dim these house lights. Because chances are that sometimes we make these Easter trips because it's Easter Sunday and that's what good folks do. And sometimes we may think our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life and we're on our way to heaven, but it's going to be a crying shame to ride the pews of religion and stand before God where religion is not allowed and him break the seals of the book to see if you're in it. So I want to help you just a minute before I give you an opportunity to trade, trade uh, 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 Kim, did you get you a new car? You did? Good, I'm so happy for you. Did you trade one in? Why'd you trade it in? She didn't like it. It's a piece of junk. I'd like to drive her junk. 
It's a piece of junk. I traded one in. It was just wore out and had some flaws. So I went in and exchanged it. I exchanged this thing for something now. I exchanged mine for one. I got one now, y'all, for my wife. It's perfect for me. Because when I'm running down the road and daydreaming and I start drifting, it vibrates my leg. Hey! And it even takes my steering wheel and I didn't even know it. My wife wouldn't do it while I, she was in there. So the other day I was traveling by myself. And I set the cruise. I literally did this and just crossed my arms. And my car drove me all the way to Allah. Every time it would start to go across the line, my steering wheel would it'd get me back on track. Are you listening to me? I traded one who would have run me up a tree. Y'all ain't listening to me. I'm, I'm still preaching. Uh, I, I didn't do it because I knew, I knew my wife had killed me. But I almost climbed over into the back seat and got my phone out. I don't suggest this, but because I was amazed at this car. It was like, oh my God, I got a gift. I didn't know all this was in it. Are y'all hearing me preach? So this is cool. And boy, I just lean back. People come by me. You know, I'd... it was an unexpected blessing. Can I tell you, that's what happened to me. I couldn't keep my life on the road. And I ran off the road and I hit a tree of addiction and I destroyed my life. Is anybody listening to me? But God said, I'm going to let you make an exchange because you can't make the right decision. Sometimes my wife had looked over at me when I... Y'all ever do that? You know, on the side of the road? She'd say, are you asleep? No, ma'am. Even with my eyes wide open, I just drift. Even when I think I'm looking, I'm not looking. And I ended up making an exchange on something that when I start getting out of line, it nudges. I told my wife the other day, this is aggravating. Not only do I have a wife <laughs> telling me to watch the road, now this car's vibrating. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what happened when we got saved, Nathan, because we couldn't keep our lives in line. But God said, I'm going to let you exchange it for something that'll shake you a little bit when you start making when you start getting outside the boundaries. I just want to know if there's anybody in this building. I need these spotlights off of me. I need somebody. There's somebody in this building that says, you know what? I'm tired of hitting the ditch. I'm tired of getting off course. I need to make an exchange. I need to trade this life in for that life. Oh my God, what a, what a salvation message. I need to traded in. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.